Thank you for listening to our church podcast, where it is our joy to share helpful truths from the Bible. We pray this serves as one more tool to help develop leaders within our church and community who love and honor Jesus and reveal it by loving others. If you have any questions or comments about any of the messages, we invite you to join us on any Wednesday, 6 p.m., for a group discussion on the passages and sermons found here. The scripture reading this morning will be found in the book of Luke. We will be reading chapter 7. We will read verses 36 through 50. I will read the first verse as you join in with me on the second verse and continue with me every other verse. Would you please stand as we read these verses. That's Luke chapter 7, verses 36 through 50. And one of the Pharisees desired him that he would eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and sat down to meet. And behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment, and stood at his feet behind him, weeping, and began to wash his feet with tears, and did wipe them with the hairs of her head, and kissed her feet, his feet, and anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee which had bidden him saw it, he spake within himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that toucheth him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answering said unto him, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. And he said, Master, say on. There was a certain creditor which had two debtors, the one owed 500 pence and the other 50. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him most? Simon answered and said, I suppose that he to whom he forgave most. And he said unto him, Thou hast rightly judged. And he turned to the woman and said unto Simon, Seeth thou this woman? I entered into thine house, and thou gavest me no water for my feet. But she hath washed my feet with tears, and wiped them with the hair of her head. Thou gavest me no kiss, but this woman, since the time I came in, hath not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil thou didst not anoint, but this woman had anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins which are many are forgiven, for she loved much, but to whom little is forgiving, the same loveth little. And he said unto her, thy sins are forgiven. And they that sat at meat with him began to say within themselves, who is this that forgiveth sin also? And he said to the woman, Thy faith has saved thee. Go in peace. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for forgiving all the sins, the terrible sins that we have committed, those that we know and those that we don't know. Lord, we thank you for the many blessings that you give us. We thank you for the love that you showed us beyond our comprehension, beyond our understanding. We love you, we praise you, we worship you. We ask your blessings be upon the pastor David as he delivered the message. This we ask in our Lord, Savior's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. All right, we are continuing our journey with Jesus through the Gospel of Luke. 
And last week, we talked about Jesus' interaction with John the Baptist. We've been there for the last couple of weeks, and if you remember, he concluded that conversation by rebuking the Pharisees. That was kind of where we left off. Uh, The Pharisees had rejected John the Baptist and his message. They refused to repent and be baptized, and they were also refusing Jesus. They refused to listen to him. And so Jesus really just blasted them at the end of that uh, that text, as he often did. And so the very next story we're going to look at is perhaps unusual coming on the heels of this rebuke, because a Pharisee named Simon invites Jesus to eat with him. Uh, Apparently what Jesus had said against the Pharisees had an impact on Simon. Perhaps he was beginning to question if uh, maybe he was in the wrong here. Maybe he should be listening to a prophet like Jesus. Maybe uh, John the Baptist was a true prophet. And so it seems to me that Simon is beginning to question if he's in the wrong group. And Simon seems to be wanting to spend time with Jesus to kind of feel him out and see, is is this a true prophet? Uh, Have we been wrong about this guy? Is he truly from God? And so verse 36 sets up the story. It says, One of the Pharisees desired him that he would eat with him. That's Jesus. And he went into the Pharisee's house and sat down to meet. So a Pharisee, we find out later in the text, his name is Simon. He invites Jesus to come to his house for a meal. And Jesus accepts the invitation. And in those days when Jewish men would eat a meal, they didn't sit down. Of course, uh, first century Israel, they don't have central air, right? Uh, So it's very hot. And so they would sit on the floor normally and they'd kind of lay down on the floor and prop themselves up by the elbow and eat with the other hand. It was just the way that they ate. And so this is what they're doing uh, at this particular meal. They're, They're reclining and eating. Verse 37 says, Behold... Now, the word behold is, uh, in the Bible, it, it literally means look, but a lot of times it, it, uh, it's just meant to draw attention to something. So it's, it's sort of like in English, we say, check this out, right? That's what behold means. Okay, so Luke, he says, Jesus is there. He's uh, at Simon's house eating a, meal, uh, eating a meal with the Pharisees. Now, check this out. Okay, verse 37, a woman in the city, which was a sinner. Okay, stop again. That's a description of a prostitute. That's a nine-word description of a prostitute. A woman of the city, a woman who was a sinner. Okay, that's what that, it's a euphemistic way of saying that. Rest of the verse, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment. Okay, so the prostitute hears that Jesus is at Simon the Pharisee's house, and she hears that Jesus is eating there, so she shows up. Now, quick question. Invited or uninvited? (laughs) Okay, the Simon invites Jesus. Uh, This woman hears about it and just shows up. Okay, so she shows up there. This is shaping up to be a really interesting dinner party. You're at a Pharisee's house. Jesus is there, which already is a recipe for some explosive uh, things to happen. But all of a sudden, this prostitute shows up. Verse 37 mentions she comes with an alabaster box of ointment. Uh, Alabaster stone was uh, used to make a very expensive perfume, and this ointment would be sealed in a jar. It'd have to be broken in order to use. In other words, you can't just use part of it and then reseal it. Uh, If you broke it open, that was it. You, You used it. And it was very expensive, very costly. Uh, Matthew 26 mentions that this is another occasion where this type of ointment was used. Matthew 26, verse 7, There came unto him a woman having an alabaster box of very precious ointment and poured it on his head as he sat at meat. But when his disciples saw it, they had indignation, saying, To what purpose is this waste? For this ointment might have been sold for much and given to the poor. So here in Matthew's account, a different occasion here, but you see the value that the ointment had. It was very uh, costly. 
And so we'll see in our text, Jesus, or this woman, decides to use this ointment on Jesus' feet. And she's giving up what likely is her most valuable possession. This ointment is estimated to be worth about a year's salary. This is a very costly uh, perfume. Verse 38 goes on to tell us that the woman who crashed Simon's party stood at his feet, at Jesus' feet, behind him weeping, and began to wash his feet with tears, and did wipe them with the hairs of her head, and kissed his feet, and anointed them with the ointment. So the woman comes in weeping. She's weeping so much that the tears fall, and there's enough to wash Jesus' feet with. I don't know if you've ever wept like that, but this is a broken woman. Uh, this is a woman who is clearly... Uh, this is not just a, 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 a tear in the corner of the, the eye. She is weeping profusely. And she begins to wipe Jesus' feet with her hair. And she kisses Jesus' feet, which would show her affection for Jesus and her submission to him. And then she does the unthinkable. She breaks the ointment. She breaks open that jar and pours it on Jesus' feet. The most valuable alabaster ointment she uses in order to wash Jesus' feet. And this was all an act of worship. This woman has just shown great love and sacrifice for Jesus, and the Pharisee who invited Jesus is quick to criticize what he's seen. Verse 39, Now when the Pharisee which had bidden him saw it, he spake within himself. So he's not speaking out loud, he's just thinking this, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that toucheth him, for she is a sinner. Uh, the Pharisees taught that to be pure in God's sight, you had to separate from sin and sinners. And so somebody like this that they would look at as unholy, a very wicked, vile person, uh, to allow them to touch you would be unthinkable. And so Simon concludes that Jesus must not be a prophet because he's allowing this sinful woman to touch him. And so he must not know who she is. Everybody else there knew, uh, but he apparently doesn't know. And so Simon just assumes that if Jesus would have known her sin, he would not be allowing her to do this. But Jesus did know this woman. He knew all about her sin. He knew about her life. He just had a different perspective than Simon. This woman's love for Christ and willingness to sacrifice her valuable ointment to wash Jesus' feet is evidence that she was repenting of her sin. Uh, she likely had heard the message of the gospel that Jesus preached, that if you would repent and believe the gospel, you can be forgiven. And so she hears Jesus was at Simon's house, and she came to demonstrate that she was turning from her life of sin to a life of devotion to Jesus. She comes in weeping, showing remorse for her sin. She comes in with this expensive ointment. She's willing to give it up for Christ, showing that he is more valuable in her life than anything else. This is true repentance. And Jesus allowed this woman to wash his feet, not because he didn't know who she was, but because she had been forgiven. Verse 40, Jesus answering said unto him, now what is he answering? Simon didn't say anything out loud, remember? He's answering Simon's thoughts. So Simon is thinking, this guy's not a prophet, and Jesus responds to his thoughts. Uh, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. And he saith, Master, say on. There was a certain creditor which had two debtors. The one owed 500 pence, and the other 50. A creditor is a money lender. This is somebody who would loan out money and collect interest on it when it was repaid. And the amounts of money here are a little tricky to convert to today's currency, but it would be something like uh, $5,000 and $50,000. One is very difficult to pay. The other would be impossible for most people to pay. One owes 10 times what the other owes. And neither one of them has the money to repay the loan when the due date comes. And so verse 42 says, When they had nothing to pay, one owes 5000 one owes 50 neither one of them has anything to pay, and the debtor forgave them both. 
Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him most? Uh, the moneylender in Jesus' illustration cancels both of their debts, the person who owed 5000 and the person who owed 50000 And this is a picture of God's grace. Uh, neither of these men earned forgiveness. One had, a, one had far more debt than the other, and yet they were both forgiven of all that they owed. And Jesus is trying to show Simon that God forgives sinners regardless of their former life. Uh, by the way, this is one of the main differences between biblical Christianity and other religions. Uh, religion teaches you, you, you've sinned against God, now here's how you can pay for it. Jesus taught that you've sinned against God, and here's how you can have your debt forgiven. Uh, you can't come up with this money. You, you, it's beyond what you can afford to pay. That's why Jesus came and paid your debt on the cross. He paid for all of your sin, and there's nothing left for you to pay. And if a woman like this sinned 10 times more and worse than a religious man like Simon, they can both find total forgiveness for all their sin in God's salvation. As Isaiah 53 says, all we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him, on Jesus, the iniquity of all of us. doesn't matter what you've done in the past. If you've repented and come to Christ for mercy, you can be forgiven of it all. And this woman was clearly repentant, as we talked about earlier. She came in faith in Christ. She came repenting and turning from her sins. Uh, back to Jesus' question, though. He asked Simon, <clears throat> if this moneylender cancels the debt of someone owing 5000 and another person who owed him 50000 which one of the two will love him more? Verse 43, Simon answered and said, I suppose that he to whom he forgave most. And he said unto him, Thou hast rightly judged. And he turned to the woman, Jesus turned to the woman, and said unto Simon. And so now Simon should see the point of the story. Jesus is going to uh, show him what this is all about. <clears throat> this woman is the one who's been forgiven much. It's made evident by the way that she's uh, displaying this love for Christ. She's displaying so much more love for Jesus because she's been forgiven of such a sinful past. So verse 44, <clears throat> he turned to the woman and said unto Simon, Seest thou this woman? I entered into thine house, and thou gavest me no water for my feet, but she hath washed my feet with tears, and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou gavest me no kiss, but this woman, since the time I came in, hath not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil thou didst not anoint, but this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. So Simon did not provide Jesus with water for his feet, which was a normal thing. It's weird for us in our day to think of this, but if someone came to your house, uh, there would normally be a basin of water and a towel for them to wash their feet because they wore sandals and there was mud and dirt all over their feet. Uh, and like we mentioned earlier, they ate on the ground, so pre presumably your feet are around the same place your food is, so you want to clean up before you eat. This was a common courtesy in Israel that you would allow a person to wash their feet when they enter your house. And also, same thing with uh, a greeting with a kiss on the cheek. And again, weird in our culture, we shake hands, and I'm happy about that. But you go in other places in the world still today, uh, very common to greet one another with a, a kiss on the cheek. And so Jesus is saying, you're not even showing me the common courtesies. He's pointing out two things here. First, Simon's not showing proper respect and affection for Jesus. He's not even doing things that would be expected to be done for a, an honored guest that's at your house for a meal. And then Jesus is also showing the contrast, how incredibly this woman is showing such love for Christ. She didn't just wash his feet with water like normal and use a towel. She used her tears and her own hair. She didn't just give a kiss of greeting. She kissed Jesus' feet. She didn't just anoint Jesus' head with some oil, a uh, cheaper substitute. She, she brought this incredibly expensive ointment and poured it on Jesus' feet. 
So verse 47, Wherefore I say unto thee, Her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. So it's no problem, Simon, for her to touch my feet, because she's been forgiven of all her sins. And Jesus acknowledges her sins are many. Uh, she racked up that $50,000 debt, but she's been forgiven of it all. Now, we need to press pause here for a moment and study verse 47, because this could easily be misinterpreted. I want to read it one more time. Jesus said, Wherefore, I say unto thee, her sins which are many are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. So is Jesus saying that this woman was forgiven because she loved Jesus so much? That's what it seems to be saying. Because of this act of worship of anointing Jesus' feet, she's earned forgiveness. Has, has this woman's sins been forgiven as a result of her love for Jesus? Doesn't it sound like uh, that's the case? Her sins are forgiven because she loved much. So this leads to a question. Is our forgiveness of sins dependent upon our acts of love for God? And I don't believe that that's the right understanding of this statement. I'm going to show you several reasons why. I think what Jesus is actually meaning to say here is that this woman is displaying love for Jesus, not in order to receive forgiveness of her sins, but because she has been forgiven. In other words, the love is the result of the forgiveness, not the other way around. I want to show you why I think that, because the simple reading of the verse doesn't sound like it's saying that. If you just read the statement, she's been forgiven for she loved much, you come to the other conclusion. It sounds like Jesus is saying, she's been forgiven because of her love for me, not that she's loving me because she's been forgiven. So let's look at four clues in this text that lead me to this conclusion, that the forgiveness of sins caused the love for Christ and not the other way around. Number one, uh, the Greek word for forgiven here, and I, don't, I, I try not to bring Greek into my sermons too much, but here I have to. Uh, the Greek word is in the perfect tense, which means it's a past action with continuing results. So Jesus doesn't say, he's not saying you are now forgiven. You know, she comes in weeping, anointing Jesus' feet, and, and he says, you're now forgiven. No, he says, you've already been forgiven. Then uh, this is the results of that past forgiveness. So that's the first clue. Second clue, verse 47, uh, the rest of the verse, it says, Her sins which are many are forgiven, for she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. And there you see clearly that forgiveness comes before love. If you've been forgiven only a little, you'll love only little as a result. This woman has been forgiven for her many sins, and so as a result, she's loving much. Number three, uh, the third clue is the illustration Jesus gave in the previous verses. Uh, the moneylender forgave the debts of the two debtors, the one that owed 5000 the one that owed 50000 and they loved him as a result of their debts being canceled. You know, which of them will the money, love, money lender will love the money lender most? Jesus asked, and the answer was the one who has been forgiven most. So again, forgiveness comes first. Uh, they love the money lender as a result of the fact that he canceled their debt, and so love is the response of having been forgiven in the past. Verse number four. Uh, last clue is the last verse of our text. We're going to jump ahead, and we'll get back to this later. In case you're still uncertain, is this woman, uh, did she earn her forgiveness by her acts of love for Christ, or was this a response to the fact that she's already been forgiven? Verse 50 clears it up. Jesus says to the woman, thy faith has saved thee. Go in peace. So she was saved by her faith in Christ, uh, not by her acts of love that followed the forgiveness. She turned from her life of sin and came to Christ for forgiveness. And you see that she's been forgiven because of the, not because of the love she's demonstrating. Rather, she's loving Christ because she's been forgiven. 
like a person who's been forgiven for a debt of money they owed and is so thankful and overwhelmed at the mercy of the one who forgave them. So this woman understands that she's been shown great mercy. She's now coming to thank the one who has forgiven her debt of sin. So here's the point of the illustration that Jesus gave. The person who realizes how great the gift of forgiveness is because they have a real sense of their own sinfulness, that person has a great love for the one who forgave them. Or to say it another way, your sense of how much you've been forgiven determines the depth of your love for God. Before we read the rest of the text, I want to take a few minutes to examine Simon the Pharisee. Uh, what is wrong with Simon? Why is he so off base in his thinking here? What might be wrong with some of us? Number one, Simon misunderstood who salvation was for. The gospel is for everyone. Simon thought that this woman was a sinner. She can't be forgiven. Simon didn't understand that salvation is not for good people. It's for anyone who recognizes their sinful condition and turns to Jesus. Isaiah 55, 7 says, Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return unto the Lord. And he will have mercy upon him, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Romans 5, Paul writes, For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. Simon did not understand that Christ came to die for the ungodly. He didn't understand the extent of the call of the gospel. Come and be forgiven of all your sin. That was Jesus' message. And it was given even to the worst of sinners. So number one, Simon did not understand who salvation was for. He thought it was for good people, not bad people. Number two, Simon misunderstood how thoroughly God forgives. God doesn't forgive like we do. Uh, the guy who forgave the two, the two people who owed him money, I'm sure he still remembers who owed him $50,000. Yeah, you might have canceled the debt, but it's still in the back of your mind. But God doesn't treat you differently if you were a worse sinner prior to your conversion than someone else. Uh, when we get our debts canceled by God's grace, the one who owed 5000 and the one who owed 50000 are both forgiven and brought to a zero balance. And this is important to understand because I think some of us think that God still has in the back of his mind how bad of a sinner we were before we repented. Like, I might be saved, but God hasn't forgotten what I was. Now, I might be God's child, but I'm surely not one of his favorites. I'm going to read Psalm 103. Verse 12, as far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. When God forgave your sins, he forgave it completely. He doesn't have some list of everything you've done wrong in the past in his pocket that he's ready to bring out and remind you of. No, if you've been forgiven by God, he's removed all your sins. Hebrews 8.12 says, I will be merciful to the unrighteous, uh, to their unrighteousness, and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. That's a brain twister for you. How does God not remember our sins? God is omniscient. He knows everything. Uh, how can he forget our sins? When it comes to our sins, God says, what sin? What are you talking about? I don't know that I, I understand how that works, but somehow God chooses to forget your sins when he forgives you. It's not like your sins have been deleted, but they're still in a trash folder somewhere. No, when God forgave your sin, he deleted it, he emptied the recycle bin, he took out the hard drive, he broke it into a thousand pieces, and then he melted it down to liquid. It's gone. There's no retrieving it. It's not coming back up. Simon didn't understand that. He didn't get that because this woman had been forgiven. God didn't see a prostitute when he looked at her. He sees a child. 
So number one, Simon misunderstood who salvation was for. Number two, Simon misunderstood how thoroughly God forgives. Number three, Simon misunderstood what a sinner he was. I think at the heart of this text, you see that this uh, Pharisee did not think of himself as a sinner like this woman. In, in Simon's mind, there was two categories of people, holy people like him and unholy people like her. And he was right about there being two categories. He was just wrong about who was in them. The truth is, there is two categories of people, and in the holy category is Jesus, and in the unholy category is everybody else, including Simon. Simon didn't see himself as a sinner like this woman. And this was the problem with the Pharisees. They didn't see themselves as sinners. They thought that they were righteous. Listen to what Jesus says to the Pharisees in Matthew 21. He says, Verily I say unto you that the publicans and the harlots go into the kingdom of God before you. That's quite a rebuke. I mean, he's saying, that, hey, hey, religious people, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are going to enter the kingdom of God and not you. Now, why would that be? How, how does that make any sense? Well, in this text, Jesus goes on to explain it's because the tax collectors and the prostitutes repent when they hear a prophet of God. Uh, like John the Baptist, but the, but the Pharisees refuse to listen to them because they don't think they're sinners. And the prostitutes know who they are. They know they're sinners. And so they come and they, they repent when they hear the message of God. The Pharisees are so blind to their own sin that they don't see any need to repent. So the reason that known sinners often accept Jesus' offer of forgiveness and become citizens of God's kingdom is they have enough humility and self-awareness to recognize how broken and sinful they are. But the Pharisees, on the other hand, did not think that they had anything to repent of. They didn't see their pride as sin in the same way that this woman's immorality was. They didn't see their attempts to impress others by their pious lifestyle as sin like it is. It's not just the one who's been forgiven much who loves much. It's the one who knows how much he's been forgiven who loves God much in return. I think too many of us have forgotten what wretched sinners we are compared to the holiness of God. We may sing, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me, but if we're honest, we don't really think of ourselves as wretches. We don't think of ourselves as sinners. We think we're pretty good people. We think we're, we're one of the ones that owes God only 5,000, not 50. And so here's the sermon in a nutshell, and if you hear nothing else this morning, I want you to get this one sentence. We become the judgmental Pharisee when we forget that we're the sinful woman. This woman came to Jesus weeping and broken because of her sin. I wonder if Simon had ever shed a single tear over his own sin. This is really the problem with Simon. He thought of himself as a righteous and holy person and this woman as so much of a sinner that she could not be forgiven by God. So we become the judgmental Pharisee when we forget we're the sinful woman. After offering this correction to Simon in his way of thinking, Jesus now turns to the woman and he says these words, verse 48. He said unto her, Thy sins are forgiven. They that sat at meat with him began to say within themselves, Who is this that forgiveth sins also? And he said to the woman, Thy faith hath saved thee. Go in peace. I think this morning there's probably two types of people in this room. There's some of us who are like Simon. We don't see ourselves as much of a sinner at all. If that's you, I would invite you to search your heart and see the wickedness within you. I wonder if Jesus were here today, if he would say to you, Simon, I have somewhat to say to thee. Let, let me correct the way you see yourself in this woman. Now would be a good time for confession and repentance. Ask God to break your pride and to show you the depths of your sin. But then there's some here today who are more like this woman. You do recognize the weight of your sin and it's crushing you. 
You're weeping and broken over the lifestyle of sin you've led for so long. Maybe you've repented of your sin and you've come to Christ for forgiveness, but Satan likes to remind you of what a sinner you used to be, and he whispers in your ear that God doesn't really love you, that God still holds those things against you. And you come to God as a broken and weeping sinner. I wonder if Jesus would say to you today, your sins are forgiven. Your faith has saved you. Now go in peace. If that's you, now would be a good time for you to accept that when God saved you, he forgave every sin. Ask God to show you the depths of his mercy. How do you know which person you are? How do you know if you're in the Simon group or in the sinful woman group? Well, let's, you, let's use the evidence that Jesus himself gave. If you've been forgiven much and you know how much you've been forgiven, then you'll love the God who forgave you. And if you've not been forgiven much, you don't see the depths of your sin, you won't have the same love for God. So in other words, the extent to which you feel love and affection for God shows you which group you're in. If you feel nothing when you read this text, if you're not overwhelmed by the mercy of God toward ungodly sinners like you, then you're probably in the Simon the Pharisee camp. And you need to see your sin the way that God sees it. If you do know the extent of your sin and how God in Christ has forgiven all your debt, then that should lead you to love God supremely. Like this woman, be willing to give up the most valuable possession just to show your love and worship for Christ. He should be the most precious person or thing in your life, worth breaking the alabaster box and pouring that expensive ointment on his feet because he's shown you such grace. We hope the message you just heard was helpful to you. It means a lot to us that you would join us for this podcast. For more information about our church and meeting times, visit lbcmiller.com or call us at 219-885-9303. We would love to hear from you.